0: This is Rachel McElroy. Sup, it's Griffin McElroy.
1: This is wonderful. It's a
0: grand old flag, she's a high-flying flag, and forever the flag is a flag. Except when the flag's not a flag, it is swim shorts and you wear them at the beach. I love that song. Turn into a funeral dirge there at the end (laughs) for the American flag swimmy shorts. A bold look, but a patriotic look nonetheless, and thank you for, you know, repping the set when you're like out, out little, in the Sandy. Like a little bandana.
1: I like, like a, a band- little flag bandana.
0: Oh, you know I love an American flag bandana. Mm-hmm. At like a fucking blues concert at a regatta or something down by the river. That's my shit yeah. right there. <laughs> like, 55-year-old dad wearing a American flag bandana and maybe even also a Big Dog t-shirt if I could be Ooh, so bold. Nice. And they're just jamming to like the local Sleeves blues. Sleeves cut off. Sleeves are gone. The sleeves They they got this shit Out of the bag From the big dog store And they like mm-hmm. Went to the cash room And were like Do you have scissors Because I can't even Leave the store With these fucking sleeves <laughs> Put those on American flag bandana And then they go And they listen To the local blues musicians Play at the regatta
1: Can I ask you How many regattas You've been to uh,
0: One a year For every year I lived in Huntington Tell me about that uh, I was by the riverfront And I guess It's just kind of Like a fair I
1: always thought Regattas had to do With like sailing
0: boat craft. Yeah, there were boats, because it was on the river, the mighty Ohio, Ohio, and we would look at the boats, wouldn't go on the boats. One time I went on a barge cruise when I was 15 or so, but mostly Mm -hmm. it was just sort of sitting by the river watching boats go by and watching this guy, this motherfucker, like, (laughs) extra from Storage Wars ass-looking dude (laughs) with his American flag bandana and sleeveless big dog shirt. And just losing it to the to the to you know the blues that was happening That's on great. stage yeah
1: those guys are like perpetually tan year round i don't know how they They're are.
0: always quite tan um <laughs> and i love that uh, maybe it helps them win the storage unit bidding wars a little mm. bit better mm-hmm. but anyway Wow, we watched a lot of Storage Wars really, really fast yeah, a long time ago, this was years ago, and, and then I we never watched.
1: <laughs> I can't watch it at all now. What is that?
0: We watched it almost every day. I feel like we got Travis into it for a while. We got a lot of people into it, and, and we watched it now, a lot. And nothing. then, was, and then it was like, and done it was like it was like there's a part of our brains that was syncopated that was like 76 episodes and then never you don't that's all that you need (laughs) it's like we'd filled a quotient or something inside a quota a quota even so (laughs) i wonder if we talk about things we're really into do you have a small wonder that maybe you're just kind of into I do. It is the new
1: imitation down comforter
0: that we. Get. I was also going to say this imitation down comforter. Full disclosure, full disc. Haven't gotten underneath this big boy it yet. It just looks nice on the bed. It <laughs> just looks real nice on the bed. And we're talking about an hour that it's been in our home, and it's already <laughs> sort of. It's
1: the best thing to happen. To and us it's someday. very, very exciting.
0: Um, American Ninja Warrior. Many thanks for that, NBC. Griffin and I
1: realized today for the yes. first time yes. that we are in fact super fans because we have seen approximately every episode.
0: I mean, you see Najee Richardson step up to I the get plate. Excited. I get very excited when I see the Phoenix rising, Najee Richardson. Um I, I just mean, I,
1: I guess in my head I always assumed that super fans of American Ninja Warriors were in fact people training to be Ninja Warriors themselves. But then I thought about the fact that we've seen every episode and that we eagerly watch it every time we get a chance. And then I thought, well, that's pretty much what being a fan is. That's what being
0: a fan means. Um, uh, Two things. One, it's very possible we are the world's biggest fans of American Ninja (laughs) Warrior. And I have not even begun to grapple with that.
1: We also do talk a lot about what our ninja names would be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, I would probably be like the unlikely ninja if I'm being honest. <laughs> I have a question for you, though. Okay. Vis-a-vis and w Since we've watched so much of it, have you ever pondered for, I'll say longer than 10 seconds, okay. what direction your life would have to go like to get you on the fucking show, if it would even be possible?
1: Well, usually when they do the video package, a lot of people have like a turning point in their life that motivates them to get fit and train for Ninja Warrior. Yeah. I guess that turning point for me would be if... I mean, something terrible. Yeah, it like have a to meteorite. Cur-
0: well, sometimes <laughs> it doesn't always have to be that. Like, there's definitely people who are, like, crushing that shit who, like, mm-hmm. have not gone through a meteorite falling on their house or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be me.
1: Maybe if my husband... Yes. Bet me that I couldn't do it. There
0: it is. I love that. And you know what I love the most about that is yeah. that it sort of very publicly and on a national televised <laughs> scale shows me being sort of a big dill weed who's like You can't t- I, my wife can't do
1: anything. You sitting on the couch with your arms crossed, shaking your yeah, head. Yeah, and no. I'd
0: be at like the sidelines as you were like on the floating steps, like, <laughs> No way. That's great for me. Like I love that for me and like my uh, image. What about you? Um I would just fucking do it. I would probably do a podcast about it, like yeah, Griffin's you. Griffin's like rise, like the Griffin's Ninja Corner. Yeah, like high, climbing Mount Midoriyama, and it's just like my start from right now. No and fun. thank you for listening to the pilot episode <laughs> of Climbing Mount Midoriyama, featuring Griffin Mat- 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 Roy and Rachel Matchelroy. And it's me right now, and I can't do any of the things. I think I could Ooh. probably. I think I could give. F- oh, I came
1: up with a name for your podcast. Okay. Mount am gonna be on Ninja Warrior. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> I think within three weeks, I could do the floating steps. And that's the first obstacle every time. Ooh. This is for nobody, what we're doing right now. And you're up first. Okay. That was 10 minutes. Shit. Shit. <laughs> we are super fans. Yeah, I guess. Turns out.
1: <laughs> uh, my first thing, and maybe one of the reasons I'm not gonna be on Ninja Warrior. Uh-oh. Hammocks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Super chill. Like, uh, like laying still and then having something else swing me. Uh, I don't want to come at you. Okay. Right from
0: the start. But we definitely had a hammock at our old house. Well,
1: the thing is, it's always 102 degrees in Texas.
0: That is true. And that thing always had a bird poop on it. Like, <laughs> the frequency with which birds would take a big old dump right on the hammock yeah. was as such that while you were cleaning off the previous poops, three or four more would just appear. <laughs> I
1: definitely did go out in that hammock Sure. times. But as soon as it hit, like, I don't know, June, that was the end of the hammock. For yeah, me. for sure. Uh, so... Hammocks have a rich history, if you can believe it. Uh,
0: sure. I do.
1: Uh But I did still find some surprising
0: facts. Uh-oh. <laughs> did you know the I'm trying hammock? Trying a new character for the show. <laughs> did you know the hammock is a bigot? No, the hammock! I <laughs> loved the hammock.
1: Uh Hammocks were developed by native inhabitants of Central and South America for, hey, sleeping.
0: Yeah, buy it.
1: Uh, later they were used aboard ships by sailors to enable comfort and maximize available space.
0: And then you just need some fucking rope for that, and they all got all kinds of that for the sails and what have you.
1: Early hammocks were woven out of tree bark, and later this material was replaced by sisal fibers because it was more abundant.
0: Yeah, it probably seems like an upgrade from sleeping in tree bark.
1: Um, apparently they were called hammocks because the woven bark came from the, uh, hammock tree. h-a-m-a-c-k
0: oh okay yeah is this a so they just like can i ask can i raise a hand and ask a maybe a silly question
1: i probably will not have the answer so go ahead
0: does it just grow out of out of them does what you you plant a hammock in the ground Uh uh-huh and then this tree come comes up
1: that's a neat thought. And
0: like, five, it takes a while, long time, like five years. But what then, a great
1: imagination you yeah, have. Yeah, I
0: didn't like just hammocks coming out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like multiple hammocks? Yeah, I mean, you'd want nice. a good
0: yield. You can't just fucking plant one hammock and get one hammock back. Where are all the fucking hammocks coming from?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so... Another reason hammocks were popular in Central and South America was the ability to provide safety from disease transmission, insect stings, or animal bites, since the beds were suspended above ground.
0: Uh, yeah, for the ground insects, there's a lot of nasty boys that can get up there with their wings Here's and stuff.
1: A fun fact though.
0: I'm learning so many fun facts from you about hammocks I right have, now.
1: I, I, did, I didn't just go to Wikipedia. I went to multiple websites and every site listed this with no additional detail. So I want, I want you to help me think about this. In the 1920s, mm-hmm. parents throughout North America used fabric hammocks to contain babies just learning to crawl. I think that's true.
0: I think that's true.
1: So when your kids started to become mobile mm-hmm. and you were like, uh-oh, I got to keep an eye on you, they would dump them in a hammock? Yeah,
0: listen it was the 1920s man we couldn't drink and so like folks had to have some form of excitement and i guess for them back then I and i don't like, condone it but i think they just turned their kids into like a little metapod I, <laughs> a little what a metapod is a pokemon he's like in a cocoon okay
1: um i just think kids that are just learning to crawl can Have difficulty balancing, and then Hmm. to put them into something that is unstable ground that can rock back and forth seems like a lot of kids would really struggle in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. But again, in the 1920s, like
1: a pen on the ground. Yeah, like some kind of play pen, perhaps.
0: I think in like 1936, somebody was like, "Ah, we should. What? What the (laughs) fuck are we doing? Let's put them in a pen. Because if they fall out of the hammock, that's quite bad. (sighs) It ain't good. One time, I saw my brother Travis fall out of a hammock while we were camping. And it wasn't like super far down, right? But he was not so, so big a boy. He was nine. And he was not the biggest nine year old.
1: Mm-hmm. And I thought
0: for sure he was dead. Like a hundred percent. Like he fell good. Like he fell. Well, he fell bad. It was a bad, bad fall. Did you
1: guys ever do the thing with the woven hammock where
0: you spin somebody around and wrap them up like a burrito? No, that sounds incredibly dangerous. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Am I a Johnny Knoxville from <laughs> Jackass?
1: We used to have one of those like fishnet style hammocks and you would, you would get kind of wrapped up in it oh. and you'd spin.
0: Oh gosh. I'd be afraid that it will wrap up too tight and I'd get, like, gushed. Like I'm in a a, a late-era Jason movie. I like a Capri Sun being squeezed. Oh, babe, don't even joke about that. Uh, I'll never get another hammock for as long as I live.
1: (laughs) So I love a hammock. I have yet to find a way to use them here in Texas that is satisfactory because it is not pleasant to be outside a lot of the, like, primo hammock. But in the fall, oh, man, the fall...
0: Yeah. It's not bad. I, I feel genuinely bad about how little we go outside, but it's either hot or mosquitoes. Yeah.
1: Gosh, the mosquitoes are
0: bad. The mosquitoes are so bad. I went out in the garage to install a new uh, baby car seat in our car and I came back with like eight mosquito bites on my ankle. It was rough and I wasn't out there mm. that long. And just the mosquitoes are real bad down here. Is there a place where there's no mosquitoes? probably like antarctica but they have you know does the desert have mosquitoes the desert
1: humidity is usually what brings them
0: yeah probably around like an oasis there's like a fuck ton of mosquitoes who like have nowhere else to go um antarctica would be good if it wasn't for sea lions hate those guys do you want to know my first thing yes my first thing is chill swimming chill swimming I'm not talking about the cold water, the like chilly, chilly, like Barton Springs, 70 degrees. If you he about
1: swimming that's not really swimming?
0: I'm talking about just like kind of, I guess, being in the water, being in a pool. <laughs> Maybe I should just change it to being in a pool. Because here's the thing. I'm a very poor swimmer. Not good. Uh, you've seen me, actually. Give me a, n- a numerical rating, do you think? Between 1 and 10, how good am I at the swim? What is 10? 10's, you know... Like
1: Olympic or like...
0: Olympic. No, 10 is like confident, good swimmer. Like you
1: see that person and you think... There, you know how to swim.
0: Yes, they're they're quite talented in the pool.
1: I would say you're a six.
0: All right, that's higher than I deserve. <laughs> um, I want to be specific. I'm not talking about swimming as uh, a form of exercise, although I do think that it is great for that, especially for people for whom like weight bearing exercise is not possible. Uh, and I'm not talking about it as a means of moving from one place to the other like so many better ways to do that in my opinion if it must be on water like hello boats jet skis we um we
1: should start a podcast called hello boats and you can talk about all your regatta experience too
0: yeah, so maybe we can do like a nerds double pack where we do Hello Boats and Mount Midoriyama gonna be on American Ninja, <laughs> Ninja Warrior in the same sort of show. So the first thirty minutes can be sort of regatta focused and then the last thirty minutes can be like <laughs> it's well a
1: very narrow audience bracket
0: we've created. I think it's like this podcast's audience minus two thirds. <laughs> and that's me being very like <laughs> yeah. generous. Um I meant to say swimming, just chill swimming, it feels so good. Um, and I guess I can specify that in two ways. One, we do live in Texas where it is no joke, like over a hundred degrees four months out of the year. Would you say like middle of May to middle of September? Probably it's like over a hundred degrees. I'm not being hyperbolic. We, the first year I moved here, we had over 100 days in a row of over 100 degree temperatures. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite hot. Um, and getting really hot and then getting in a cold body of water specifically a pool, it's the fucking best. Um, similarly, being in a cold pool and then lowering your body temperature, getting it all you know chilled out and getting used to the coldness of the water and then getting off and letting the heat dry you off is also really good. <laughs> Christian,
1: Griffin was so adorable when we went swimming over the weekend because we got out and we were in the shade and he was so confused by the sensation of his wet body in the hot what was supposed to be hot temperature he turned to me and he was like is it cold out?
0: Yeah. No you're
1: just wet and it's windy. I was
0: rolling on Molly pretty good also (laughs) but um, I just like that feeling not when we're in the shade but when you're just like in the hot heat and you know that if you didn't just get out of the cold pool you'd be like miserable right now but it's kind of nice right now you feel like a blanket that just like got pulled out of the dryer. I enjoy that a lot. I used to not enjoy cold water because like getting into it is you know kind of a shock sometimes I don't want to get blue But, like, on my junk, and my butt, like... Your butt? What happens to your butt? You know, when you get your butthole in the water. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) Like, when your butthole gets in the water, it's not, like, bracing? Babe! I... I can't tell which one of the two of us is joking right now.
1: I've never gotten into the water and thought about the way my butt feels as a result, I guess. Not
0: your butt, but just your butthole.
1: I don't... I don't want to say that. I don't think... (laughs) Please continue.
0: I used to like like a nice body temperature pool because then you could just like get in and get out, whatever. No, no big deal. But now I really like this sensation, this bracing sensation of you know getting in and on a hot day and then getting out and, and warming up um it also helps when you're drinking a nice cold beverage while you're swimming in the swimming pool not at like a public park or something like that Um, but you get you know cooled off on the inside and the outside you're just like sort of messing with your thermostat a little bit and i find that very enjoyable even though i don't necessarily do laps or stunts or flips or dives can't dive never learned how very afraid
1: so chill swimming is just being in water
0: yeah i guess just sort of being in a nice pool but there's another thing and it's not just the temperature of it it's the like feeling of weightlessness of being in a pool is Mm. very 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 cool and it's great not only because like it does allow it to be used as a form of like physical therapy for those that that need that uh there's something just kind of fascinating about being able to keep your body up off the ground david blaine style do you know what i mean Just like being in the water, I enjoy the sensation of being in a pool and my feet aren't touching anything. and It's kind of like I'm hovering a little bit. Like you never just like float on your back and just kind of like chill there. And it's like, this is nice. You always talk
1: to me about how you don't think you're especially good at floating.
0: I'm not especially good at floating. And maybe that's why I enjoy it more than the average person is because those few precious seconds before my body's complete sort of (laughs) um, density let's say, uh, drags me down, way down, down to the bottom of the pool as if I'm being pulled down by an imaginary like invisible monster like that one very scary episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, I just really love it. I love the floating on it. Uh, I used to, I remember very vividly there was a time where we went to visit our aunt and uncle's house in Florida and I just popped in a snork and just <laughs> floated face down in the pool for like a half hour which I'm s- saying this out loud and I'm thinking like, where was the parenting? <laughs> where was the parenting? They were just on? so
1: relieved that you'd found a way to keep yourself busy that wasn't video games. <laughs> yeah,
0: they were like, yeah, I imagine my Uncle Dave was like, wow, he's, he's really floating there. And my dad was like, it's kind of athletic, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of outdoors. Let's just let him go. That was the same trip where moments later we were leaving and i saw that my uncle had a i've definitely talked about this on some podcasts before but he had a golf cart and i yelled grand theft auto because grand theft auto the, the video game was very hot then and yes. i ran forward and i barreled through his screen door and he got really upset you
1: have definitely told the story
0: it's all connected the whole universe you know
1: somebody right now is piecing together their griffin it's the whole timeline cards.
0: Um, I just love I, I really do love I'm getting better at floating on my back doing that with your ears under the water so you can't like hear anything Ooh, and you're just I like shut. like that. Oh, but you got bad you got the bad ears. I got the bad ears. Well I got the good ears, so let me enjoy my thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm very sorry about your bad ears because this sensation is quite good. When
1: I say I have bad ears, I get swimmer's ear pretty much any time my head is submerged in water. Is a real shame?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got I- real narrow canals.
0: Um, I'll say.
1: <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. Should I leave that in? I mean,
1: I think it's important people know who
0: you are. (laughs) I also really like when you're by the edge of the pool and you can like dive under and like push yourself off and like fly through the water, see how far you can go without moving your arms, like Superman style. That's still <laughs> technically not swimming because I'm not actually battling my arms and kicking my legs. I'm just kind of torpedoing. I do that one a lot. And I like it because it feels weird. It feels weird to be weightless. And Sometimes and just, I
1: feel like I'm doing this podcast with a 10-year-old.
0: <laughs> but I feel like a 10-year-old sometimes because of the way you make me feel while doing this podcast. I just like these. I like these. It's I agree it's a simple sensation one time i did the moon on this podcast and my thesis there was aren't waves neat but (laughs) i just like i i had this thought uh recently we went swimming not this most recent time because we just went in the baby pool which oh it's you can't do any of this i had a great time you had a great time because our son likes being (laughs) around you in the pool he looks at me as if i'm some sort of (laughs) <laughs> leviathan come up from the deep to destroy his <laughs> his whaling boat or something anyway um i don't want to undersell the great active stuff you do in the pool i'm talking about jumps i'm talking about flops i'm talking about flips dives what about
1: those somersaults people do underwater can you do that yes
0: Uh don't want to brag but i can do that and i can do a handstand so <laughs> um but for me i just like chilling just like chilling in the water
1: hmm did you ever like throw stuff in the pool and go swimming after it?
0: Once. Didn't, I think we threw like five little rings in like a hotel pool. Yeah. And I got like two of them and I was like, this was not a good investment, Clint. <laughs> you just lost three rings, dog. Hope these weren't expensive. Can I steal you away? Oh, I got it. It's not a fa- uh, fast food soda.
1: Griffin? Yeah. You know it's a shame. What? Is that when you order uh meals to be delivered to you they can only be for dinner? That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The
0: law is different now?
1: Is <laughs> factor.
0: That's just cool. Okay. It's
1: from Claire I. Badass. Hey, Dill.
0: Oh, fuck yeah.
1: I really busted a nut up in this birthday gift.
0: (gasps) Oh, yes.
1: You do such wonderful things in my life every day.
0: A nice turn into the sincere.
1: Your sweet butt.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Gets me to nirvana.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Hands in the air.
1: I'm so happy we finally live in the same state.
0: Okay. Close
1: all in. I have to do to see that choice Tush in person oh. is send you a telepathic message. I'll never stop loving you, baby. Happy birthday, Claire.
0: That was a fucking tight message. Are you kidding me? With I had to all the say good a th-
1: lot of words there.
0: Yeah, you did. Hell yes. That was difficult for me. That was so dope for me. But happy birthday, Dill. Happy birthday, Dill. No matter what, and great work on that keister.
1: <laughs> this That's me- sweet
0: quiche. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, this next message is for Elena. It is from Henry. Elena, thank you for introducing me to Mbim Bam and Taz. I love you so much. Will you marry me? What? What? The preferred time for this message to air was March. Oh fuck. Uh, Rachel what do we do Hope they weren't waiting on that Rachel 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 I'm gonna assume this already happened They had another vehicle
0: I hope they had a backup Oh damn Oh damn (laughs) Babe what do we do
1: I mean I think we just did it We gotta make this right I think we've done all we can No we gotta make
0: this right We gotta We gotta plan every step of their wedding
1: Okay Uh, Do you want hammocks at your wedding
0: (laughs) Uh, They said no (laughs)
1: you tapped in
0: yeah I did I got them on uh, you can't hear it because I got the headphones on but I got them on Skype and they said no uh, strictly no hammocks so now I know as a Max Fun listener you love enamel pins but guess who were the first people to wear enamel pins everyone in Starfleet We talk about him every week on our show, The Greatest Generation. Originally about Star Trek The Next Generation, now we're covering Deep Space Nine. The main thing we're trying to encourage you to do is listen to the show. Listen to the show and know that you are expanding the community of enamel pin-wearing enthusiasts. You can only resist Big Pin for so long. So give yourself (laughs) over to Big Pin and The Greatest Generation by subscribing and downloading right now. The Greatest Generation at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Uh, how about your second thing? Okay, my second thing is very specific, but I think it will be useful and helpful to many. It is volunteering at festivals. Okay. So, I have seen a lot of great performances for free. And I have done so because I have volunteered at festivals.
0: Okay. Uh, this is very specific. It's very
1: specific, but I think it's not something a lot of people know about. Sure. So uh I actually figured this out because I used to coordinate volunteers for festivals when I was in Chicago.
0: Oh, I didn't know that you're you're I knew that you've done it at ACL here in town. I did not know that this habit of yours extended all all the way back to Chicago. Well,
1: yeah. Well, I I ran the volunteer program for two different festivals. Holy shit. I thought I guess you don't know this. Uh so when I moved to Chicago, I started coordinating volunteers for louder than a bomb, the Chicago Ticket Festival. Oh, okay. I didn't festival. know that. Yes. So they would have hundreds of volunteers sign up and we would have them do a variety of things like greet people at the door or, you know, help take tickets, that kind of thing. Sure. And that connected me to somebody who was starting a music festival in Chicago called Intonation Music Festival. And this was before Pitchfork. Uh, and it was just like a little indie music festival. Uh, and so I coordinated volunteers for that. And all that gave me the idea of like, I should start volunteering at festivals because you get to see the shows for free. Right. And you volunteer and you get a sweet t-shirt. I
0: mean, you do have to work.
1: You do. Well, so I'll get to that. Sure. So uh, I started volunteering at Lollapalooza in Chicago in 2005. And I did it every summer for three or four years. Uh, and what you do is you sign up in like May, uh, if the festival's in like August, let's say and you work traditionally like a four-hour shift so you're either handing out programs you're sitting at the information booth or you're filling people's water bottles and then when your shift is over you could stay the rest of the day for free Hmm. Uh, so i got to see a lot of cool shows It's like the first time i got to see flaming lips
0: fuck yeah um you see the peppers Yes. You I was joking. You saw the reddest, hottest, chilliest peppers? All all of the peppers were there. Shit. Uh, I
1: saw Weezer.
0: Nice. Uh, nice. Original lineup or the new guys?
1: I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw Radiohead. Oh, cool. It's a lot of cool bands. Original? Stuff. Okay. And so I did that in Lollapalooza for a few years. When I moved to Austin, I did Fun, Fun, Fun Fest for a year. I did South by Southwest one year. Uh, And I did ACL Fest for like three or four years. Uh, and the more you do it, the more preferential treatment you get as far as when you volunteer. Yeah, So you can volunteer in the morning, for example, and then you get the whole afternoon and evening to see shows for free.
0: I did not realize this is a thing you've done like a dozen times. Oh, yeah.
1: No, I mean, my whole like pajama drawer is full of festival T-shirts. <laughs> I had to actually put them in a Tupperware because they were overtaking my thing. I've also done it. I did it for a film festival in Chicago once. Uh I did it for a, a blues fest in Columbia, Missouri. Um, I I really kind of got into it for a while there because as you all know, festival tickets are incredibly expensive Yeah, and I never really could justify paying that much. But, uh, when you volunteer, you get a little wristband, you hang out for the rest of the day, see a lot of good shows. And I talked a lot of our friends into doing it too. Uh, so yeah, I would, I would recommend it a few months before. Um, Usually after tickets are on sale. So you kind of have to gamble a little bit that you're going to get a volunteer spot. But uh, they'll post a call for volunteers because they need hundreds of them. Sure. Uh, And you sign up and then you you get to take in the whole experience for usually like a registration fee to volunteer, which is like 20 bucks sometimes. And that's just to cover their costs for screening all the applications and stuff.
0: If I had lived in a town that had music festivals... Uh, frequently or gone to college, I should say, in like a town that had like music festivals frequently. I would have been doing this shit all the time because I had no money and I was obsessed with the idea of going to music festivals.
1: Well, and here's a, here's a secret. And I am not, I am not advising this, but let's say you don't live in Chicago, for example, but you have a friend that does. Oh, you could list their address because a lot of times they'll restrict volunteering to locals. Interesting. Um, but uh, if you have a buddy that lives in Chicago, you list their address, you show up, you're good to go.
0: What's the best music festival you ever went to? like shows wise experience, wise oh, like a year? Geez-o. What was the best? What was the best? What was the best maybe like specifically best show you ever saw at a music festival you volunteered for that you didn't pay any money for?
1: Oh my gosh. um. Man, so I've seen like LCD Sound System and Arcade Fire and Florence and the Machine and Stevie Wonder.
0: All in the same set? That's
1: fucking no, tight. That would no. be a dope
0: super group.
1: No, it's just, it's hard for me to pick. You Mine's know,
0: LCD Sound System at Pitchfork. The, yeah. The year I went to that. That was, that was really well, here's the good. thing
1: though, like I did a lot of that by myself. Yeah uh, So You
0: didn't have Jeremy Larson there next to you There and you just had your fucking arms around each other Just jumping up and down to fucking all my friends Just weeping, crying Like just letting the music energize <laughs> you And fill you with emotion
1: No, that wasn't me
0: You're just there alone, I guess
1: But I did. De- I definitely I have had a lot of very good experiences
0: I wish we'd go to We've been to one music festival together We went to ACL one year And we in huh? South by Southwest We did South by Southwest, that's true That's where we met, I guess Yes mm-hmm. I wish you'd come to Bonnaroo with me, though. I wish you could I don't si- think I would have liked Bonnaroo. I don't think you would have liked how dirty and nasty I got at Bonnaroo. Yeah. Like prostatitis, like dirty, 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 butt dirty.
1: One of my favorite things at the end of the night is, like, getting home, taking a
0: good shower, going to bed. Mm, I took a shower and Radiohead's great music. <laughs> so anyway, my second thing's Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> the, just to be clear. Yeah. The very first movie, not the franchise. Oh, my God, yes. Holy okay. shit. Y'all didn't need me to clarify that, right? Just that was Rachel sure. being— a, That was Rachel clarifying for the one imaginable person <laughs> who would assume that when I said that. I don't know if I've talked— I feel like I have very recently talked about Jurassic World and how bummed out it makes me. Um, and it's only in really thinking about how bummed out Jurassic World makes me that I realize just how fucking much I love Jurassic Park. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. It was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I saw it when I was six years old, fell right the fuck to sleep. Because I hadn't really entered my dino stage yet, and the room was really dark, and I didn't really know what to do with that energy. Nobody had really given me a heads up. They just, <laughs> they mostly really wanted to see Jurassic Park, I guess. So when
1: all the dinosaurs roared, you just snoozed right through it?
0: I fell asleep when it started, shit started to break bad, you know, Newman sort of fucks shit up, and then the... <laughs> um, Uh, you know, the trucks rolled to a stop, and I was like, hmm, good time for a nap. And then I woke up, and, you know, pterodactyls were flying away from the island, and I was like, oh, oh, shit! Whoa! Okay. (laughs) Um, so, now that I'm older, though, I can really appreciate how good this movie is and how silly it was that I slept through it. Um, and the reasons that I love it are, I think, like, the reasons why I was kinda left cold by Jurassic World, uh, and probably won't end up seeing the new new one, what's it called, Fallen Kingdom, in theaters? Uh, when Spielberg, who directed Jurassic Park, uh was sort of pitched the idea of adapting the, the book by Michael Crichton, uh, he sort of saw it as the opportunity to do, to do like a Jaws on land creature feature. But I think it ended up being so much more than that, like the killer dinosaurs, the T-Rexes and Velociraptors and those little spitty ones, I can't. Uh, But, like, the the mean dinosaurs, I guess, if you want to call them that, they weren't just, like, horror movie villains, although there were some sequences, like, holy shit, that whole sequence in the kitchen with the two velociraptors and the kids is fucking perfect. In almost every way that a movie can be perfect, like... And that
1: door handle turns.
0: The door handle turning, like, the cinematography of everything, the pacing yeah. of it, and, like, uh, all the sort of twists and turns that it takes. It, like, it hits, like, those horror movie notes, like, really, really perfectly. But I don't love it as a horror movie. Uh, what I love is that, like, the humans are indeed in this, like, dangerous, deadly situation. But the thing that is hunting them is this, like, humbling, beautiful, like ancient thing. And it is the movies like Reverence for the Dinosaurs that I really really love in Jurassic oh,
1: Park. Oh, that's a good it, point. That
0: first scene where you see the the brontosaurus or like yeah. the whole sequence with like the sick triceratops that yes. just like instantly uh like not humanizes but I guess makes you feel sympathetic for this uh you know fake dinosaur. Um, there's just so many scenes about how majestic these things are and how, like, truly special it is to be around them juxtaposed with the fact that they, there are some of them that are going to be kill you. That's a really great you. point because that tension does not exist in the later movies. In Jurassic World, there's a scene where 80 pterodactyls fly down into a crowd. Uh, one of them picks up a woman and drops it into the mouth of, like, a dinosaur whale. And the whole time I'm like, what is this accomplishing? Yeah. What is this fucking doing? Um, it, it, Jurassic Park, on the other hand, is just like all about these, these beings of pure majesty and it accomplishes that largely because the dinosaurs look so fucking good. And I don't know how much you know about like the history of, of the like special effects used in, in Jurassic Park. I don't know anything. It was like a landmark movie for like CGI in, in films. It kind of changed everything. It, it came out and sort of revolutionized how people did. Still
1: looks pretty good. I and like. that's
0: the thing. It looks incredible still today. Yeah. And the way that it pulls that off is like how it tries to hide the the effects as much as they possibly can, how they try to make it blend seamlessly into, like, the environment. So when they started making this movie, originally, the original design for, like, the special effects for the dinosaurs was going to be all practical. They were going to do, like, stop-motion uh animation of the dinosaurs, uh like fucking Jason and the Argonauts, like but with motion blur, which they accomplished uh, a few ways. One of the ways is by smearing jelly on like a plastic oh, screen and kind of holding that up over everything to, to hide the transitions. Um, they had a- also like animatronics, both in like small scale. And then they had, uh, Oh, what were they called? It was like bigatrons. Oh, bigotures, which are like the fucking T-Rex was a huge animatronic, actual yeah. T-Rex. um, and there was a team at Industrial Light and Magic that like had started to do some cursory work with CG and wanted to to do it but nobody at um Nobody at Amblin, who was the, the production team of of the movie, like actually thought they could do it. So there was a team, this like splinter cell at ILM that started to sort of like work on some proof of concept stuff while they moved ahead and started making the movie in this entirely practical way. Um, and after a while, this team produced a, a concept of a T-Rex moving in CG. It's like eight seconds long and it's just a T-Rex walking in broad daylight, which is fucking kind of wild because that doesn't really happen much in Jurassic Park Um, and they did a screening of that test with Amblin and they saw it and everybody was like oh okay so we have to change everything Uh, not just for this movie but you know our entire industry <laughs> is going to change because of this like 11 second long clip of a dinosaur walking. Um, so there are a couple of reasons why it still looks really, really good today. The first is that they they did do a good job of kind of like hiding the CG and not do like a, you know, like the old, uh, the owl at the beginning of Labyrinth. That is not yeah. a very good—that owl has not withstood the test of time very well. Um, so they did a better job of sort of, like, hiding it and making it blend in a little bit better. Uh, the other thing they did is they just made the CG look, like, freakishly, unbelievably good for— The first time that like sort of the, this, these effects at this scale have been included in a movie. So, uh, they didn't just toss out all the stop motion stuff. They repurposed it to like provide data for the CG to like help the animations work. So they had this like really pretty good stop-motion animation uh, that that had a lot of research that went into it, like, how would this dinosaur move? How would this dinosaur move? The CG team could take that stop-motion video and look at it and then say, like, okay, here's what the skeleton of the dinosaur should look like because of how they have animated it. Whenever they needed to shoot something that was too complex for CG to animate, they used practical stuff. So on close-ups of the T-Rex, when it gets really, really close to the car and, like, does the the breathing through its nose yeah. to fog up the window, that's real. That is, I mean, it's not not a real dinosaur. It's an animatronic <laughs> dinosaur. Um, but then they would, you know, then pan out to the full shot yeah. of the dinosaur, and that's CG. And at that point, your mind has been so convinced exactly. that it's a real thing. Uh, they would also use those bigotures, the huge T-Rex model, uh, for the same purpose. They would, they would film it, you know, fucking up a car, you know, nuzzling into it as it's kind of exploring and spinning it around and then they can put CG in over that because now they know what it looks like. There are so many clever uses of like hybridizing this, these, these two different technologies at what is essentially the passing of the torch from this old school way of doing it to this, brand new like very very fresh way of doing it that makes this movie like a really interesting kind of junction point in in how cg was done and of course like after that a bunch of movies tried to do this too and they were like this dude's gonna be made out of fucking lasers and he's gonna have nine heads each with like different faces and it's like oh no that's gonna look like dog shit dude Um, There was also just like A ton of Paleontological research That went into like How would a T-Rex move Yeah Not just looking at like Dino Dino DNA But also looking at like How elephants walk And looking at how like Giraffes move their necks And shit Like uh, You can
1: feel that When you watch a movie Like that it's been Well researched
0: Yeah exactly And the the other cool thing That they do that like Sells everything And it's my favorite thing About the movie Since I learned this And then watched it Is that almost The entire film film is shot from a human's perspective almost the whole film so like the the scene where they pull up in the car and they see the brontosaurus you see just like the bottom half of the body of the brontosaurus and that's all that's in frame before you get like the bigger shot the t-rex chasing dr ian malcolm away as he's like holding the flare trying to get him away from the kids that is shot from ian malcolm's perspective so the dinosaur looks fucking gargantuan
1: it's really
0: really really incredible um and Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, it is a fucking perfect movie. There are so many things about it that are so like ahead of its time. And the fact that it did CG and sort of introduced it to like, hey, you can make movies this way. And then for, I don't know, man, eight years afterwards, nobody was able to match it.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: It's kind of incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the only Jurassic Park movie they ever made they made that they made (laughs) it they
1: stopped on that high note
0: they made it i don't know i haven't seen lost world or wait was three lost world which one had vince vaughn in it i don't know anyway the first one's really good
1: yeah
0: it's really good i think it's
1: on netflix right now too
0: the original jp
1: yeah
0: oh hell yeah let's watch that tomorrow okay let's get henry like early into the dino phase you don't
1: think it'll be a little scary
0: it's not that scary
1: a big t-rex
0: only thing that ever happened killing that goat that's fine the only thing that ever scared me in a jurassic park movie is when richard schiff got all ate up oh Oh, richard schiff in the bathroom too toby come on that's gotta like
1: combine a couple of your fears right there. that's
0: probably why it scared me so bad is because toby toby ziegler did get et by the big t-rex like
1: having somebody walk on
0: Oh, but it's not just, like, somebody, like, barging in, like, oh, excuse me, and then walking right back out. It's a big dinosaur that eats half my body. Shoot. (laughs) Um, Hey, do you want to hear some submissions from our friends? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, Maddie says, even though they are a lot of work, garage sales are wonderful. Seeing your old treasures find new homes at any price always makes me happy. You got any fond garage sale memory? Did did your family ever do a garage sale when you were younger?
1: Uh, You know... I don't know that we ever held one, but I have been to a, a huge number of them.
0: Oh, for sure. We held one because we had, you know, my parents had like so many kids and we had just <laughs> a bunch of shit. I remember very distinctly, we had just got in the Super Nintendo. And so we garage sailed our NES, their original Nintendo, and like all our games for it for probably $15. Oh, gosh. And now I look back at that like fuck there was a lot of stuff that we did not get a very good price on i remember playing the batman nes game in like the living room and somebody came in and was like okay that's mine now and i was like okay good luck it sucks i got the super nintendo now and then like you know 20 years later i was like oh no i want all that back ironically Bethany says, I love when a silly movie trope happens in real life. For instance, when my toaster pops the finished toast up, it really hops out of there and catches air. Someday I'm going to grab it midair, and I can't wait. So satisfying. (laughs) That's great. I included this one because it's aspirational. (laughs) I want to know, Bethany, if you ever do get it. And I don't want you to stand... I feel like it's cheating if you stand over the toaster and wait. Oh, you have to just like walk by and grab it. I want you to have like put it in, go upstairs, get your Jansport, throw your books in it, come downstairs, and as you're walking out the front oh, door, God, just like, snitch, snatch! Chomp. That's really good. That's so fucking good. If you can skateboard by, like, <laughs> just slowly building up speed as you work your way out to the street, and grind down your f- steps to your house out to the front yard. Just in
1: time to see the bus fly by.
0: Uh, but you sketch while eating this toast, and, like, kids are in the backseat, like, looking at you, like, making like a guitar like air guitar and you're like yeah dude (laughs) i caught this this morning and they're like no fucking way and you're like yeah i caught it (laughs) so do all that here's one from greg who says my wonder is the feeling of stretching after a long drive i recently drove a moving truck from michigan to florida Fuck, Greg, wow, dude, that's, a big that's rough. Uh, From Michigan to Florida, and there was no better feeling than stretching your legs at the end of the day. I hope you took breaks. I hope it was not just one long go of it. I hope that you took breaks. I hope there were breaks, because that's a long haul. What's the longest car drive you ever did?
1: I mean, I've done Missouri to Texas. Yeah? Which is pretty long, it's like... 14 16 hours something like
0: that i did chicago to texas i don't know what's longer that or huntington to boston because i did that one too that one was that one was a roughie. so this has been wonderful this is the podcast you heard i am so grateful <laughs> for all of you to listen to the show uh i don't know when this one's going up i don't know if we're gonna put this one up on the fourth of july um because i don't think anybody would listen to it is that weird like can you imagine people at their barbecue like you know, eating eating hot dogs yeah. with their uncle or something, and with they're like... Holding their sparklers. And they're like, I also like volunteering at festivals. Turn <laughs> this shit up. This is my jam. Pass the ox. Pass the ox, dude. Yeah. Got a podcast about chill swimming.
1: To your grilling time playlist.
0: Oh, I, I think that shit's public. I'm gonna read the link... That you letter for letter, unless it's very long. Some folks
1: shared it in the Facebook group.
0: Okay. But it just in case you want to grab it and you're sitting at your computer right now and you want to grab grilling time for your 4th of July party or what have you, you're going to be able to find that by going into your web browser and where the fuck is it? I've stolen as long as I can. You're going to. Oh God. No, it's so long fuck that it is the longest link ever if you just search grilling time in spotify i bet it'll show up yeah many. i mean
1: people have been able to find it
0: somehow yeah so um thank you to maximum fun for having us on the network you can go to maximumfun.org and check out all the great shows there shows like stop podcasting yourself and switchblade sisters and story break
1: minority corner minority
0: corner all of your favorite shows or your new favorite shows if you haven't listened to Heat them Key rocks. rocks is gonna be your favorite fucking show and all of that is at maximum on fun.org and we have other shows at mcelroy and thank you to bowen and augustus for the use for our theme song money won't pay you can find a link to that in the episode descriptions and um i don't know man let's just go slam some sparkle dogs and get on it you know what i mean
1: it's it- a grand old flag it's a flag that it flags and when it flags you know that it flags
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump you up a little bit but keep going i'm just gonna ride the dial a little bit and get the good levels
1: and when it flags, it keeps flagging, and flags, and flags, and flags, and flags. Yeah. <laughs> Every heart beats true for the red, white, and blue. That's the best part. And the flags,
0: they raise still. Is it disrespectful to not know the words they to this
1: song? They raise... <laughs>
0: There were like nine more flags in there that you left out. (laughs) I got part of it right, though. Did you hear that? Yeah, the red, white, and blue part. Uh That was good. So we'll see you next week. (laughs) MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Listener-supported. Welcome everyone to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles. So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying the competition.
1: Isn't there anyone who can
0: save us from this travesty? Wait, could it be? It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling podcast! Tights and Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling.
1: And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex.
0: What a match! And the Tights and Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Please, these hosts have families. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites.